0: Uh, today I want to begin to look at the book of the prophet Hosea Um, as the Lord permits we'll probably do three sermons Uh, the first one today is really dealing with the personal details of Hosea and the significance that they have Um, Now, one of the things that it's going to be important for us to understand is that when we talk about Israel in the book of Hosea, we're not talking about the whole, um, all the children of Israel. We're talking about the northern kingdom. not going to work. It worked at home. Nice. Here we go. Here we are. So all the green is Israel. And all that other color <laughs> is Judah. Uh, Judah still has the capital Jerusalem. Israel's capital is Samaria. Uh, Israel has occupies both sides of the Jordan. Um, There are ten tribes in Israel and two tribes in Judah. Um, In addition to the name Israel, you will also hear the name Ephraim. Now just as with Judah, um, that's the name of one of the tribes that occupy the southern kingdom, so with the northern kingdom, Ephraim is the largest tribe of the ten who occupied the northern kingdom. Now this, came, this split came about because of Solomon's sin. As we, remem- we remember that he had 700 wives and they had enticed him away from the one true God. As a result, God tore the kingdom away from him. A prophet went to him with, a, with a, 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 a garment on, and he tore it into 12 pieces. And he said, that's what's going to happen to your kingdom. He said, but it's not going to happen till after your death, because I'm going to keep you as king In respect for your father David but after your death the kingdom is going to be torn apart and in the reign of his son Jeroboam that is what happened and you can read about that not now but you can read about that in 1st Kings chapter 11 and 12 and that'll give you the history of it now the This came about because of Solomon's turning away from God and becoming involved with pagan worship. The only problem is that in the northern kingdom they went even deeper into pagan worship. Their king Jeroboam would make two golden calves and he would lead the worship himself. Now God called Hosea to be a prophet to the Northern Kingdom and he gave him a special mission and he wasn't just like any prophet, he was actually going to live out his message to the people. He was to show in his pained relationship with an unfaithful wife the great pain that God felt for the spiritual unfaithfulness of his people. And in that closest of all human relationships, marriage, Hosea was to discover the pain that it would bring him decade after decade as he loved a wife who didn't return his love. Hosea was to show in his life a picture of God's relationship with his people and the pain and the grief that they caused him. Now some have suggested that this relationship of Hosea and Gomer was just a parable, just uh, an illustration But it was neither. It was an actual experience that Hosea had and that God intended him to have. And so we will now go and read the first portion in chapter 1. We'll be reading from chapters 1 to 3. We won't read all of the of it, some of it, you might wish I spoke about it today, particularly chapter 2 from verse 14, but that will be dealt with at a future time. So today, to begin with Hosea chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. The word of the Lord which came to Hosea, the son of Barry, during the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam the son of Joash, king of Israel, that's Jeroboam the second. There were two Jeroboams in Israel, and this is Jeroboam the second. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, "Go, take yourself, take to yourself, a wife of harlotry, and have children of harlotry." for the land commits favourite, flagrant harlotry, forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dilblame, and she conceived and bore him a son, and the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will punish the house of Jehu for the bloodshed of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel, on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Then she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to him, name her Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel, that I would ever forgive them. But I will have compassion on the house of Judah and deliver them by the Lord their God, and will not deliver them by bow, sword, battle, horse, or horseman. And you can actually read about that miraculous deliverance that Judah experienced in Second Kings chapter 19, verses 32 to 37. That's Second Kings 19, 32 to 37. When she had waned when she had weaned Ruhama, she conceived and gave birth to a son and the Lord said name him lo Ami for you are not my people and I am not your God so God's first words to Hosea were to go and take an unfaithful wife a wife of harlotry which could mean either sexual or spiritual, and in Gomer's case, it almost certainly meant both. In Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 15, talking about this business of going into idolatry and harlotry, but you trusted in your beauty and played the harlot, because of your fame, and you poured out your harlotries on every passerby who might be willing. So that was the way that Israel was going. Now, it is probably unlikely that Gomer was unfaithful at the time of the of the marriage. Uh, In the NIV, it says, instead of a wife of harlotry, it says one who's promiscuous. And in the NASB, we have inclined to infidelity. So while she may not have been like that at marriage, the seeds were there and she would go that way and Hosea obeyed God's command he took Goma and as is the case in the Jewish culture names mean something and Goma's name meant completed fully so she was or would become fully given over to harlotry in another in a bible dictionary that I saw it translated it consum- consummate wickedness. She turned wickedness into an art. Her father was Dillblame, and his name means given over to sensuality. So she started with a bad example, and she went on from there. Chapters, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9, she bore three children two sons and a daughter and as was common with prophets in those days God told him what names to give them so as we have read the the first boy was Jezreel which means God will scatter actually it has two meanings depending upon the context because if you think of the case of the parable of the sower In the first instance, the seed was scattered over the path and the birds came and ate it up. It was gone, it was lost. It produced nothing. But in the fourth example in the parable, the seed was sown into the good soil. So God can scatter and God can sow. And in the case of his earthly people, he has scattered them, but he will sow them again. There is a future for the people of God. These three names were judgments on Israel for their idolatry and their apostasy. So now we go to chapter 2. And we'll read the first 13 verses of chapter 2. Say to your brothers Ami and your sisters Ruhama, contend with your mother, contend, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. And let her put away her harlotry from her face and her adultery from between her breasts, or I will strip her naked and expose her as on the day when she was born. I will also make her like a wilderness, make her like desert land, and slay her with thirst, and I will have no compassion on her children, because they are children of harlotry. For their mother has played the harlot, she who conceived them has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who gave me my bread and my water my wool and my flax, my oil and my, my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up her way with thorns and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her path. She will pursue her lovers but she will not overtake them. She will seek them but will not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my first husband, for it was better for me then than now. For she does not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the new wine and the oil, and lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for bail. Therefore I will take back my grain at harvest time and my new wine in its season. I will also take away my wool and my flax, given to cover her nakedness and then I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers and no one will rescue her out of my hand. I will also put an end to all her gaiety, her feasts, her new moons, her sabbaths and all her festal assemblies. I will destroy her vines and fig trees on which she said, these are my wages, which my lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field will devour them. I will punish her for the days of the Baals, when she used to offer sacrifices to them, and adorn herself with earrings and jewelry, and follow her lovers, so that she forgot me, declares the Lord. Now in this portion that we've just read there's two things going on. There's, there's an earthly message of Hosea dealing with his unfaithful wife and at a higher level there is God dealing with his unfaithful people. And there's a lot of poetic imagery in these in these revelations. Hosea's relationship had deteriorated so much that they were no longer talking and probably they weren't even living together anymore. The children were commanded to take a message to her and they were obviously old enough to do it. We noticed that It's a me who is asked to go and speak to his mother, and she's the youngest of the three. Now, in the Jewish culture, once again, um, when a boy reached the age of 13, he was considered an adult, and so if and me was to take a message to his mother from his father and she was to take notice of it, then he would have to have the status of an adult. He would have to be able to say to her and she would have to take notice of what he was telling her. And because he's the youngest of the three, and because he's now 13 years old at least, This means that this relationship, this situation that Hosea is in, has gone on for probably 20 years. 20 years of pain and heartache. 20 years of dealing with an unfaithful wife. Now Hosea, it's clear from the text that Hosea will expose Gomer to public shame. He will strip away all that he in love had showered upon her and she would become a deserted wife. In verse 8 we read, sorry, getting ahead of myself, verse 5. In verse 5 we read, for she said, I will go after my lovers who gave me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. She thought that these men she was going after were the ones who were supporting her. But if we go to verse 8, here Hosea says for she does not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the new wine, and the oil and lavished on her silver and gold which they used for Baal. And just as Hosea supported Goma right throughout her adulterous escapade, God has always been supporting his people. And what he gave them they turned over and used to worship false gods. Verse 11 to 13. I will put an end to all her gaiety. There's going to come an end. This is not going to go on. Her feasts, her new moons, her sabbaths, and all her festal assemblies. I will destroy her vines and fig trees on which she said, these are my wages, which my lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beast of the field will devour them. I will punish her for the days of the bales, when she used to offer sacrifices to them, and adorn herself with earrings and jewelry, and follow her lovers, so that she forgot me, declares the Lord. So all, all is going to be stripped away. And ultimately, she is going to be reduced to slavery. We go to chapter three, and we have a, a remarkable instruction from the Lord. Then the Lord said to me, "Go again, love a woman who is loved by her husband, Yet an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. Then I said to her, you shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man so I will be toward you. So we have this remarkable command. After all this pain and heartache that Hosea had experienced, and perhaps a bitterness that had built up in his own heart as a result, but over and above all of that, over and above the hurt, over and above the bitterness, was an ongoing love for this woman. And he really wanted to see her blessed rather than cursed. So God commanded, go again, love a woman. <coughs> now in the, in the text that I have, it says her husband her is in italics so it's not in the original and the word husband has has a general meaning it can mean a husband it can just mean a man and in other translations it says that loved by a man. So here's this woman Goma and she has reduced to being the slave of one man, and she's in an adulterous relationship with him, and Hosea goes into the midst of that, and this time it's not the children who go, it's he himself who goes. The purchase price that was paid was 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. And the value of a homer and a half of barley was 15 shekels. So in fact, what he was paying to get her back was 30 shekels, 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. She was totally incapable of doing anything to rescue herself. She was in a desperate condition and she was incapable of extricating herself. And Hosea could now dictate terms. But what he did in the process of dictating those terms was he made a commitment to her. He said, I want you to be faithful. You will be faithful. And so I will be toward you. It doesn't matter how unfaithful God's people have become, He always remains faithful to them. So we want to look at God in his love for israel Hosea's love for faithless gomer is a picture is an example as we said it's not a parable it's something that actually <coughs> that actually happened Ezekiel 19 and verse 4. Remember, you you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. That's why it's suggested that Gomer was probably not promiscuous at the time of the marriage because when God called his people out of Israel, they weren't bound down with pagan worship then. That came later. We go to Hosea chapter 11 verses 1 to 4 and here's a lovely picture. When Israel was a youth I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. The more they called them, the more they went away from them. They kept sacrificing to the bales and burning incense to idols, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of a man, with cords of love, and I became to them as one who lifts the yoke from their jaws, and I bent down and fed them." How our God loves us. How God loves his wayward people. In Leviticus 19 and 4 he said, Do not turn to idols or make for yourselves molten gods. I am the Lord your God. But then in Psalm 81.13, the the psalmist laments, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Deuteronomy 5.29, Oh, that they had such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, and that it may go well with them and with their sons forever. And we know from the the book of Deuteronomy that God promised to bless, but he also warned. Hosea 4, 11 and 12, the state of the people, harlotry, wine and new wine take away the understanding. My people consult their wooden idol and their diviner's wand informs them. For a spirit of harlotry has led them astray and they have played the harlot, departing from their God. They had a God who wanted to guide them. They had a God who lavished his love upon them. They had a a heavenly father who cared for them. And when they wanted to know what to do, what did they do? They took some little pieces of wood, some diviner's rods they called them, and they held them in their hand like pick-up sticks. And then they took the hand away and let them fall, and however they fell, that was what the gods were telling them they should do. They've got a god in heaven, and they're playing with bits of stick Hosea five and four, their deeds will not al- will not allow them to turn to return to their God, for a spirit of harlotry is within them, and they do not know the Lord. That's how desperate they become. That it was ingrained in them. It was ingrained in them. They were totally given over. And this condition can't go on. Hosea 9 and 17, my God will cast them away because they have not listened to him and they will be wanderers among the nations. Hosea 11 and 5, they will not return to the land of Egypt. They will not go back into slavery in Egypt. But Assyria... He will be their king, because they refused to return to me. Hosea was the other prophet to the northern kingdom, and in chapter 5, 27, he said this, Therefore I will make you go into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. And we read the the historical record in 2 Kings, In chapter 17 and verse 6, in the ninth year of Hoshea, the last king of Israel, the king of Assyria captured Samaria, the capital of Israel, and carried Israel away into exile to Assyria and settled them in Halah and Habor on the river Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. They now had to live among people who lived just like them, who would not respect them, not give them any credit at all. And we, re- <coughs> in fact, what happened in 722 BC, the ten tribes of the northern kingdom were taken into captivity. And unlike Judah, they would not return after a short exile. Many of their descendants are still dispersed throughout the world today. So what are we to learn from this? What is the message of the prophet Hosea for us? God loves his people. God loves us much more than we realize. And we, to be assured of that, we only have to look at the death of our Lord Jesus on the cross. God was deeply affected by the sin of his people. the sin of his children, he's deeply affected right from the earliest history of mankind. That has been the case. We can read in Genesis chapter 6. Reading verses 5 to 7 of of Genesis chapter 6. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. And from this we can deduce that when the heart of God is grieved, the hand of God will move. We've seen examples of this throughout our biblical record. We have Sodom and Gomorrah. We have both Israel and Judah banished and we have promises of judgment to come. We need to commit ourselves to Him, to commit our hearts and lives to Him, to seek ways to please Him, to seek the guidance of His blessed Spirit to show us the way. We need to spend time in His Word. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time memorizing His Word. There must be nothing in our life that comes before him. No person, no thing, no practice, no interest, no hobby, no nothing should come between us and our God. He must be our all in all. I pray God that he is that for you. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you, Lord, for the example of the love that you have for your people shown in the life of Hosea. Lord, just like Goma, we have pained you the way she pained Hosea. Lord, we just commit our way to you and pray, Father, that from here on we will not bring grief to you, that we will be faithful to you to our last breath. Amen.